minimalists. <laughs> PSV, PS Ryan, we have two more questions. D asks us, oh, by the way, thank you to our Patreon supporters. Yes. We're really grateful for you being here. You're the reason we have this beautiful podcast studio and this beautiful podcast, Sean, and also Jordan <laughs> No More on the ones and twos and threes. There's three cameras in here, right? The ones right. and twos. <laughs> D, <laughs> D asks, uh, how can I sustain a hopeful household when there are several outside adversaries? Mm. Especially since I'm raising a teenage son. So, Ryan, I think now is the time to talk about the hormone monster. Yes. <laughs> Have you ever seen... What is the show with the hormone monster? Can someone help me out here? I've um, never seen this. It's not F is for family. It's the other... Uh, Big Mouth. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. Big Mouth. The cr- it's an animated thing, right? Yeah. It's, I have it's, seen that. It's an adult cartoon, basically. <laughs> but it, it perfectly yeah. describes the... It's on Netflix. It's called Big Mouth. And it is about these kids who are in the middle of puberty. And they're followed around by this, you know, sort of imaginary friend called the Hormone Monster who's encouraging them to do crazy things, yeah. obviously, because that's what hormones do. Right. They, they, And so I think Dee is in this place right now where, where she is raising a teenage son. And so you, one of your adversaries might be just this Hormone Monster. Yeah. And I know Podcast Sean has gone, has gone through this because he has a son who's in his 20s and you have two teenage daughters who have uh, been fighting the hormone monster for a couple <laughs> of years now uh 16 and 14 is that right 17 and 15, 17 and 15. Mm. okay you, yeah. Yeah. yeah and so they've been staving off their their impulses as ryan was talking about earlier um <laughs> and, or at least he's been encouraging them to stay off their impulses <laughs> and he, this is fascinating because I know that when I get down, it affects the rest of my household. Yeah. And especially with the health problems I've had. And, and, and the, with you especially, you said your first marriage wasn't able to sustain MS. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and how, how it maybe since you lost hope, the household lost hope in a way? The household definitely lost hope and the first, it didn't survive two marriages. And my household really broke apart after the second marriage, meaning my daughter um, my husband left and my daughter left. She was in her senior year of high school and I did lose hope. And um, for a very short period of time, it maybe it may seem longer to a lot of other people, but I did lose hope um, again until I just tapped that place inside of me because sometimes fear can help you to lose hope. I had to file fear back into the file cabinet and bring hope to the, to the front. And um, once I was able to bring you know, hope hope back to the front, I was able to overcome what was in front of me. But fear is always trying to kick hope out of the building. Oh, indeed. It's a constant battle, you mm-hmm. know. So I'm always constantly filing fear in the back and bringing hope to the front. And for my, for in, in my household, what brought it back together was leading by example. Amen. Yeah. Just leading by example, no expectations for anyone else, just doing my own thing. And my daughter, who's now 30, is right behind me but for the first four or five years she wasn't right behind me she was like everyone else like sure mom go ahead and do your own thing but i'm not getting conscious with you i'm going to live in my autopilot existence based on societal Mm -hmm. cultural norms and stay there um and the truth is my daughter went to berkeley college music and she was at a berkeley alum thing and she came home one time and she said wow like my friends are reading your blog and following you (laughs) 
And I'm like, they are? She's like, yeah, how come you didn't share this stuff with me? I'm like, wow. I do. But I was just leading my own path and setting an example and other people were following and then like reverse peer pressure. My daughter started paying attention to her mom because her friends were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That's funny how that, how that works. I know in me, when, I, when you talk about setting an example in, in your own household, I have to make a distinction between reporting and complaining because I do have a lot of a lot of problems going on health-wise with me and I don't want to leave you know, my family in the dark with respect to that. I don't want to leave my close friends in, in the dark and so I will report on progress and, and my condition and 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 even with fear like I don't want to hide the fact that if I'm afraid of something I, I need to I need to at least be uh, honest and, and open about that, right? right? Mm -hmm. However, I don't need to be transparent about every moment uh, of, right. of suffering either. I don't need to complain to my family. That doesn't do any good. Yeah. I can report to them the problems I'm having, and also I can reach out to them when I need help and let them know what I need help with. Back in, uh, we did a podcast episode with Peter Rollins. He's a theologian, and uh, uh, I guess you would just call him a love specialist. That's what yeah. I would call him. He, he writes about love and gives talks about love and um, one of my favorite episodes uh, podcast 155 and he talked about the definition of love being giving what you don't have to someone who doesn't even want it and and sometimes like I have to give that pain and suffering I don't want to I don't want to put that burden I it it hurts me to put that burden on Rebecca uh, and to put that burden on Ryan but so I don't complain to them. I'm not hyperbolic about what's going on. Um, I'm not trying to bring them along because misery loves company. That's the default mode, unfortunately. And I know we want to do that. It's like, hey, I'm miserable. I'm going to tear down your building too. Ryan and I had a boss that was a lot, a lot like that. Yeah. And... Uh, and he would tear down our buildings to ensure he had the largest building in the company. Yeah. Uh, you don't toxic. Wanna, yeah, Very it's toxic, toxic. absolutely. And you don't want to do that to your family, but the the conversely, you don't want to hide what's going wrong either. Mm -hmm. It's about being open without stewing in it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think the only thing I would add is, uh, yes, you have to definitely lead by example. I mean, this is, um, it's just something that any parent can that they can take that advice and that alone that one thing alone will will totally change how how their household is i think in addition to that um parents they, they've got to support their kids as much as they can mm -hmm. so it's it's saying yes as much as you can as long as you're not crossing the boundaries that are set in the household and that's kind of the second thing i would add is that you, you, you've got to be able to set some boundaries mm -hmm. in the household. You don't want to control your kids. You don't want to control um, what people do in the house, but you do want to uh, just be very clear where certain lines are. And and I, I think that if you can lead by example, if you can set some boundaries and then go out of your way to support the household, I mean, that is what is going to really provide fertile ground for a household to thrive. Now, uh, you know, all that said, you still sometimes have that hormone monster yeah. that just throws it all out of whack. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the boundaries thing is is important. There's a, a great book called Boundaries by uh, Dr. Henry, is it Cloud or McCloud? One of the two. We'll put a link to it in the Patreon show notes. 
But uh, yeah, with with respect to hormones, with respect to teenagers, they need a particular kind of, of leeway. I don't know from personal experience. I don't yet have a teenager, but I anticipate that Ella will eventually be a teenager <laughs> one day. And um, I don't know. I'm thinking about going on tour for four or five years. <laughs> Smart idea. From 12 to 25 was a challenge. Yes. <laughs> well, sorry, honey. We're on this 60-month tour. <laughs> <laughs> Our next question is from Ian. Ian says, what advice would you give to someone who feels financially and emotionally trapped in their life? And you have felt both, V, in times. There was a time when you weren't financially trapped, but you were emotionally trapped. And there are other times, I'm sure, where money also becomes a problem. And so it's hard to sometimes maintain hope when we're feeling trapped. Uh, in fact, we lash out when we feel trapped. Mm. That's what when you think of an animal, a, a trapped animal, they often like will attack, you. and and that's what happens with a lot of people. They, the you know, it manifests in different ways: anger, road rage, uh, um, yelling, shouting, uh, just just these these negative behaviors. Mm. And so, for me, I would say first recognize those symptoms, recognize the the lashing out. Now, V, how did that manifest for you when you felt trapped? You know, when you feel trapped, it's it's a very big, overwhelming sensation. So I always have to try and break things down into small, sustainable little steps. So it's like, okay, when I felt trapped and couldn't use my hands and could no longer use my own, because I spent all my money and ran out of money for the, I had full-time help with me that I was paying for. Mm -hmm. And then when you don't have any more money to do that and you can't use your hands, you feel pretty trapped because mm -hmm. how am I gonna function? And what I did was I just broke it down into these small steps and the first step was I went up to a local um, uh, cooperative store and said to them, I can't drive, I can't lift, I can't carry, but I need food. Mm -hmm. And if I take the bus and come here every week on Wednesday at noon, would you be able to help me get my groceries home? Because I can't bring the cart onto the bus and I can't carry, but I promise I'll buy all of my groceries here mm -hmm. if you can help me get them to my house. Wow. And they were super nice That's because awesome. they were like, we'll just have the you know, the gentleman uh, who packages, you know, bags, all the stuff, yeah. just bring them to you. You could say bag boy, Ryan won't get offended. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he was a bag boy at That's one point right. in time. Yeah, you know, so show. then it was like, okay, now I'm getting food into my house where, okay, now I need my vegetables and things chopped because I didn't have use of my hands. So I went to my neighbor. Would you be able to help me chop the vegetables? Mm. Okay, now I got a crock pot. So I could just throw the food and the vegetables. So I just kept breaking. So it's like now I'm feeding myself where before I had to have someone help me do that, you know? Oh, yeah. So, and then all of a sudden, okay, now what's the next thing I'm going to tackle? Laundry. Just kind of one step at a time. Yeah. So when you just break these things down and just into small little steps, then that overwhelming feeling becomes less overwhelming because now you're like, okay, I, well, I did this. So maybe I can do this other yeah, little bit. You got baby. these little victories to build off of. Yep. And yeah. that is really for me. I just always like, okay, break it down. I mean, a perfect example is driving to come here today. It's like a two and a half hour drive and a lot of stop and, and start traffic, which means my legs and hands have to be able to do 
repetitive motions, which with MS, it and doesn't like that. that was like just that. a one-mile drive. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> it's so right. true. It was 34 miles. It took oh, me two and a half wow. hours. Oh, wow. Um, so I had to get up this morning, and I had to do an hour and a half of therapeutic ball rolling. I had to do 40 minutes on the yoga. Like, I had to prepare my body to be able to do this, where before... When I was eating an unhealthy diet, my mind was being controlled by refined sugar and things like that. I would have been so overwhelmed it would have crippled me, mm. where I would not have been able to make this drive. Because, yeah. I, but I broke it down. Okay, what am I concerned about? Okay, mm. well, how are we going to fix that? And wow, so, we're so glad you made the drive. That is, that's no, it's really good advice too. Like just getting those those small victories. When I think of uh, Ian's question, what I imagine is so you've got. You've got uh, financially and emotionally trapped and how this can feed on itself. So you feel emotionally stunted. So it's very hard to look at the financial situation because you don't have the energy or the drive to really break down the finances and what the problem is. And because you have financial problems and because, uh, you know, m maybe someone's going through this, you, this period where they're really, really poor, well, then emotionally it makes them feel down and it just kind of feeds itself. Um, and don't don't you think that we, in a weird way, then we just start to repress that, right? Because yeah. I know at least uh, emotionally we hear about you know repression, repressing certain emotions like and memories and, mm -hmm. but also I think financially we we repress in a different way. It's like. Eh, I'm just not gonna worry about yeah, that. Like I've yeah. got massive amounts of that, yeah. and the, the the bills show up in the mail, and you like tuck it in a drawer or something, and mm -hmm. and you try to repress it in a different way. Yeah. And then of course that continues to fuel the emotional distress, the financial distress, yes. and it continues that pattern of distress. It's so true. Um, you know, to, to answer the question head on, um, you know, when it comes to finances, Ian, like you, you've got to put a budget together. It is it is not. Um, I just it's hard it's hard for me to it's hard for me to talk to someone about their financial troubles when they don't have a budget. Like that that is the very first step. And I have had conversations with people where they they start to complain about money and about you know their financial situation. I will ask them, "Well, what's your budget? Have, have you done a budget?" And then sometimes I'll get the response of, "I don't need a budget to know that I'm poor." I don't need a budget to know that I don't have enough money. Uh, I, I, I don't have enough money to fulfill the needs that I really, really want to fulfill this month. That is a very that is a that is a defeating attitude. You've already defeated yourself by saying a budget isn't going to do yourself any good. So, Ian, first and foremost, get a budget together. Once you get a budget together, you realize, okay, here's where I'm lacking, uh, but also here's where. I am spending a little bit more money than what I should and talking about getting those small victories. If you can just call out a few things during the month where you're like, oh, you know what? I don't need to spend that money there. I don't need to spend this money here. That th Those are going to be some small victories that you can build off of. But I think, V, I think the biggest piece of advice uh, that you that you gave with, with your answer is go out and find people to support you find the people so right now Ian, if you feel financially and emotionally trapped and you have no one around you to encourage you to get out of this situation um that that is you're just going to keep going further in the hole go out and find whether it's you can go to um what is the what is the community called with uh, Dave Ramsey? I know that he has like the financial peace 
uh, kind financial of, peace university. Yeah. So he has financial peace university. Yeah. There's a thousand different programs across the country. Right. So, yeah. so, and it's not just, it's not just about the program. It's mm-hmm. about all of the people who yeah. are in this program and with oh, you going through it together. Yes. And oh, by the way, you don't have to just spend money on these courses. What you can do is you can go to this, this financial peace community and you can start to have a conversation with people and find the encouragement that you need to make different life changes. And that's just one example of many different communities out there that Ian could go to and look for some support. Because when we get support, when we are in this rut that Ian is in, that is what can so many so so often give us the energy we need to start to pull ourselves out of that rut. Just finding supportive people, that's one small victory. Mm-hmm. Creating a budget, that's another small victory. What other small victories can you find, Ian? Well, I think also, you, 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 Ryan, you mentioned the budget part here, and we were in the main episode talking about possibility. Mm-hmm. Right. Your budget creates possibility yes, for yes. you. Yeah. Because if you don't know where your money is going, then of course it seems impossible, and then you feel pessimistic about the future. You feel despair. Mm-hmm. And so, and when you feel despair, you feel trapped because you're saying, this isn't going to get any better. That's what Ian is saying when he says, I feel trapped financially and emotionally. You're saying, I don't feel like this is going to get any better. I don't see any possibility of improvement. The budget sheds light on possibility. The budget yes. is a little bit of hope. Yes, it absolutely. It is. It is a tool for hope. And to respond to what V, v said here about asking for what you needed when you needed it, the important distinction to make there is you weren't being lazy. You truly couldn't do what you're doing. If, if I went to my neighbor and said, hey, can you come over and chop up carrots for right. me? I, I just be like, What's wrong? Can't you use your hands? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm fine. I just don't feel like chopping up carrots. Um, and so asking for help when you need it uh, means is different from asking for help when you want mm. it. Right. Because sometimes you want someone else to do everything for you. We want to outsource to the doctor, right? right. But the truth is that sometimes you need help. Absolutely. And being able to, to differentiate between you when you want help and you're not willing to do it for yourself, figure out how to do it for yourself. But if you can't do something for yourself or if it would be better if you have a community of people to help you, mm-hmm. then great. Ask for that help. It's going to be helpful. The Minimalists. <laughs>